millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Marie Tuick. On the programme, we continue a weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. Ag Mental Health Week gets underway today. We hear from a local family-run abattoir, an update from Cork City's rooftop farm. Mocra membership exceeds 10,000 for the first time in decades. Our Tagusk advisory this week is with Mallow-based drystock advisor James Murphy. We hear part two of an interview with a new agri-graduate at Dairy Gold as she starts out on her career. And Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at other stories making the angry news. Farm Talk on C103. Ag Mental Health Week gets underway today and runs until October 16th. The aim is to highlight the importance of mental health awareness in agriculture. C103's Katie O'Keefe has been speaking to Cork dairy farmer Peter Hines. Ag Mental Health Week is a global initiative to have one big conversation on mental health awareness in agriculture uh, and try and unite as, as a global agri-industry uh, to support farmers who are having tough times or in times of crisis. And how important is this conversation? I think it's vital when you look at the, the stresses and the pressures that farmers are under all across the world that we have the conversation but also that we as farmers learn to prioritise our mental well-being and put ourselves in a good, good position so that when tough times do come we're in a good place to be able to handle the pressure. What can people expect for the next week? We'll have farmer ambassador videos from 10 countries around the world. We'll have daily top tips on how you can prioritise your mental well-being. There's also a wellness session being live-streamed from Airfield Farm in Dublin. Uh, we'll be chatting with Dr Hannah McCormack from the Tackle Your Feelings campaign on how you can prioritise your mental well-being. And then six out of the seven nights, we will have live-streamed guest panel discussions uh, live on Facebook with um, guests from six countries around the world. What is the mental health situation for agriculture sector? What is it like? Uh, I guess because it, there's so much more isolation and also with fluctuations in global markets uh, and likewise with extreme weather events, it puts farmers under huge stress. And when you look at the, the global statistics, uh, unfortunately, um, the suicide rate in the farming is a lot higher than the, than the national average in every country and uh, I think it's very much part of the, the, the week we've planned ahead is to normalise the conversation around suicide so that someone that is in crisis 
or is on the brink of maybe contemplating suicide, that they know it's okay to reach out and ask for help because if we don't have the conversation, we continue to create a, a stigma around the discussion. And do you think COVID-19 has impacted that isolation even more? I think at the start of COVID-19, farmers were uh, well equipped to kind of cope with the um, maybe lockdown and isolating ourselves a bit more and I suppose you know, the workload in the spring farmers are busy with calving and then into silage season but I suppose as the year went on with so many social events cancelled uh, the likes of the ploughing and all the agricultural shows etc the, um, the outlet for farmers to get off farms was disappearing fast and I think it's farmers are really starting to have, uh, have a tough time now and I mean, likewise, if you look at uh, actual figures in New Zealand, um, there's a 17% increase in uh, the rural suicide rates recently, whilst the urban figures actually decreased 7%. So, uh, yeah, I think rural communities and farming communities are feeling a lot more pressure now. What is the impact for the family then that are impacted by suicide? Knowing personally, and a lot of the guests, uh, we have two guests on live stream where, who've lost a family member to suicide and I would know a lot of people around the world uh, heavily involved in the ag sector that have uh, been impacted similar and I think it's something a family never gets over um, and it stays with them forever and it devastates a family and devastates a community but I think when you look at it the real heartbreaking thing behind it was that that person that's taken their own life was someone at rock bottom that just couldn't cope anymore but couldn't feel they could reach out for support and uh, and that's the heartbreaking thing when you when you look back and realize someone was in that situation and just felt they couldn't couldn't ask for help do you think there should be a look at rural help as in a person who's struggling will won't have to travel as far as a city to get help uh, I definitely think so, and I mean, like, look, there's a, it, there's a need for it now more than ever, um, because I suppose, look, you, you know, you have a lot of farmers that uh, they might have gone to the local pub for one pint or, or something like that, and that was their social outlet, and now that's gone, and uh, we need to reach out to those farmers and have a support service there to uh, to just back them up and let them know that there's somewhere, someone there for a chat or a cup of coffee or whatever, or, or even simple things like showing them how to use Zoom or Microsoft Teams and uh, and just link link up with a friend that way and be able to see a face rather than just chatting on the phone. But I think likewise, as a, as a, an agri-industry, the need to prioritise mental well-being for farmers is even greater now more than ever because... Uh, that's how we can make a huge impact is by getting that message across to farmers. And do you think the stigma at the moment is is it getting better or is it still is there still a big stigma with someone openly saying I need help? I think uh, the, the, the stigma has definitely been broken down and things are definitely greatly improving and it's a conversation that's being being had more often now across all sectors but um, but I, I, I do think at the same time, you know, if you're farming anywhere around the world, you're in a tighter knit community and everyone knows you personally, knows your face and uh, 
it can be that bit harder to, to kind of say, yeah, I'm, I'm really finding it tough. And for me personally, I struggled with depression previously and uh, you kind of feel like you just look and wonder what way are people looking at you slightly different where and people do get a bit standoffish and, and I've I've had it in interviews before but uh, I'd much rather someone just come and ask, ask the question straight out and it's out in the open. Are people afraid to actually talk to someone with a mental health issue? Yeah, I think that's actually the bigger issue because uh, if you break your arm or you break your leg, someone's going to ring up and say, Jeez, I heard you in hospital, are you okay? But you won't get as many phone calls if you're struggling with your mental health uh, and uh, we need to treat all injuries, be it physical or, 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 or mentally, we need to treat them all the, all the same and reach out to people in the same way. The IFA have launched their guide to the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme. Farm Talks' John O'Connor has the details. The IFA National Farm Business Committee chairperson, Ms Rosemary McDonough, has launched the IFA's Guide to the COVID-19 Credit Guarantee Scheme. Ms McDonough reaffirms that primary producers in agriculture, horticulture and aquaculture are all included under the scheme. Sole traders, partnerships and private limited companies are also eligible. She points out the deadline for applications to the scheme is December 31st, 2020, so she urges farmers not to put this on the long finger if they are interested. The banks have the money available at their disposal and are very keen, it's understood, to lend it out before the deadline of end of December 2020. The €2 billion fund is overseen by SBCI, the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland, and benefits from an 80% state guarantee. It facilitates low-cost lending to small businesses adversely impacted by the pandemic. Borrowings can be used for working capital, investment or refinancing of COVID-19-related debt. Under this SBCI scheme, applications are made directly to the current participating lenders. And those banks are AIB, Bank of Ireland and Ulster Bank. Ms McDonough points out, while an applicant's business must be negatively impacted by COVID-19, the business does not need to be in a position of severe financial distress. With that in mind, farmers should not be turned off by the eligibility required of a 15% loss to their actual or projected turnover or profit as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Amongst other reasons, she points out, if you have contracted the COVID-19 virus, suffered a drop in output prices or were unable to sell livestock, you may also meet the 15% eligibility threshold. Miss Rosemary McDonough recommends that farmers should refer to the IFA guide on the COVID-19 CGS scheme for further detail and speak directly to one of the participating lenders. Further information may be followed through on the IFA website, www.ifa.ie, all lowercase. The IFA Farm Business Chairperson concluded by renewing the call for the extension of the EU Temporary State Aid Framework into next year 2021 and for an expanded credit guarantee scheme to support farmers from the imminent economic fallout of an increasingly likely no-deal Brexit next year. Further information on the guide available at the website 
www.ifa.ie or lowercase. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. We continue this week's Farm Talk with a trip to Ballyburden near Ballincollig to family-run abattoir Fiolo Christor. Owner Christor O'Cruley has exciting news to share as they expand operations. He's been praising his staff for their continued hard work and dedication. Christor joins us on Farm Talk. So I started in about 1985 uh, my father had a small abattoir here, just supplying his own shop, and I started working here for him. And then I started basically supplying other butchers, and I just grew it away from there, bit by bit, slow. And like I suppose today we're looking now that there is an expansion. So how did it come to making the decision to expand? To have a better product, we wanted to dry age our beef. We wanted to dry age it for longer. So we built a special chill for, for doing that job. And even though the chill we're building is for the first part of the process, the old chill will become the dry-aged part. That should give us a superior product. What does it mean for you in terms of, you know, the output at the end? It's going to guarantee my product being top, top quality. It's going to be good for the farmers because it'll help me to consolidate my business which means that I'll be able to pay them more for cattle. And I know from reading your website earlier, it would be considered the best medium-sized abattoir in Ireland. So that's a great honour to be able to uphold as well. And now in terms of an expansion. We're delighted to be where we are. you know. And I have to say that I wouldn't be here only for the farmers and the butchers. Both groups of people, farmers supply me with my raw material. That's hugely important. And the commitment from the butchers to buy from me and to work with me is is very, very important. And I'm just the middleman between both of them, really. But it's important for me to do my job right to keep those people happy. And I know, like, I suppose in terms of meat processing plants and, you know, there was, I suppose, at a time now with COVID-19, there was outbreaks. How is the control going here? And Yeah, I think because we're such a small company, the plant is big and the numbers of people here are small. So social distancing wasn't a problem. Um, and look, I suppose we're lucky that we haven't had a case and, you know, you know, with that, it can change any day. So fingers crossed that things keep going the way they are. But I think it's because of the size of our company and the small number of people working here. Uh, that that's what has kept us, kept us going. I suppose, you know, go back to when you were younger and being around, I suppose, you know, what goes on in an abattoir. Like, how was that as, you know, when, I suppose, as a child, did it ever put you off or was it always something that you knew you were going to keep continuing? When I was born in Melancholic, the abattoir was about 50 yards from the back door of our house. So we knew nothing else, really, from the day we were growing up. It's like somebody born, we'll say, milking cows. You just go milk the cows. It's, um, it's, it's, it's just... It's just something we, we never took any notice of. It was there and that was it. I'm joined by Farm Talk's John O'Connor to look at overwintering of livestock indoors. Hi, John. Having a plan prepared in advance of bringing cattle indoors through the winter will help avoid problems. Absolutely, Maraid. At the outset, it's recommended that you would have a talk with your vet to discuss the health and general well-being of the cows being brought in suddenly indoors, having spent most of their lives since spring grazing on pasture outdoors. Looking at the welfare of the animals, adjusting to a slatted floor environment, for example, would be eased by provision of rubber mats. 
where possible straw bedding for the first few days at least would ease the natural stress and attacks on the immune system by suddenly being indoors. Clean, fresh water would be a huge requirement for animals leaving pasture and switching to dry rations. What about bought-in animals and the stress factor? What can be done to ease the transition? These animals may have gone through the marts and experienced lengthy transport. Well, for bought-in animals, the provision of an adequate supply of clean, fresh water, feed, straw bedding and isolation from other livestock would be essential. As with all indoor housing, cubicles should be kept as dry as possible. Guarding against contagious mastitis in all animals, not just bought-ins, is another important factor. Anything that will reduce the numbers of bacteria in the cow's environment will minimise the exposure of teats to these bacteria and reduce the mastitis risk. If you're using mats, check their condition as any cracks would act as a reservoir for bacteria. The cow's digestive system, the rumen, what can be done to ease the transition from pasture to indoor feed in the rumen? Indoor-fed concentrate feeds can be low in fibre. By adding straw and or coarse hay, this will help achieve normal ruminal conditions as early as possible after housing. Your co-op or advisor or veterinary surgeon may be able to create a specifically designed diet pack to boost rumen normality and eliminate digestive upsets. Any other suggestion about steps that can be taken to prevent serious health breakdowns during the indoor housing period? Of course, it cannot be overemphasised. An adequate accessible supply of fresh, clean water should be available at all times. Water access, of course, as usual, essential. On health, your vet will be able to offer a specifically tailored vaccination plan to complement your winter housing programme and help prevent serious health problems arising. John, earlier you referred to contagious mastitis. How important is air quality in the shed? Housing must be well ventilated to fight against the risk of contagious mastitis. The presence of established undisturbed cobwebs, for example, could be one indication of poor air circulation in the shed. I understand the October 2020 issue of the Dairy Gold Milk Matters magazine number 92 covers SCC reduction and several other aspects of indoor housing and getting winter ready. That's correct, Maraid. On page 28, Dairy Gold Suppliers magazine, Milk Matters, Supporting Sustainable Farming, October 2020. The link between helping animals adjust smoothly to their shed life and stress reduction is well known. The outcome will be optimum thrive. Well, that's the experience of most progressive farmers and the link between good animal welfare and resistance to mastitis. The couple behind Cork's first rooftop farm say many of the restaurants they supply have been forced to close due to the latest Level 3 restrictions. Brian McCarthy and his partner Theon Carlos found themselves at a loss when their work was closed due to COVID-19 and they created the rooftop farm in the city centre. Katie O'Keefe caught up with Brian this week. We've had a few additions to the rooftop. I don't think the chickens were here the last time when you were here. So we've had the hens have moved in. So we've got six layers and they're happy out there. They're giving us six lovely eggs every day for myself and Ty, so that's nice. And we have uh, a greenhouse, Got a, two greenhouses were installed as well on the roof, so we built a lean-to where our old polytunnel was. We built this polycarbonate greenhouse as well, so that allows us now to, to do our next step, which is a grow tower system, which will be arriving in the next two to three weeks where we'll be 
hopefully growing quite a lot of produce then in, in our greenhouse. So the plan is to grow leafy greens, herbs, those types of products in the uh, in the grow towers. But we are also at the moment planting out our our winter and autumn crops, so in the middle of that. So the raised beds outside, which is what we started off growing in, uh, first day, that's that's still going, both for our own consumption and then the excess we sell on to, to restaurants around the, in the area. How has the response been from the local restaurants? It's been really, really encouraging. I mean, like, I suppose we've been, we've been supplying to a few kind of dedicated uh, customers and that's been going really well it's nice consistent business it's a shame now that they're going to have to close their doors again and most of them uh, the ones who are not doing takeaway or have outdoor space um, so that's a bit of a shame but our plan I suppose now to make up for that is maybe we'll have to pivot more towards the general public which um, was our plan all along anyway but it's probably just going to accelerate that a bit Farm Talk on C103 Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We continue this week's Farm Talk with our Chagask Advisory. James Murphy is Drystock Advisor based in Mallow. Today we'll be talking about important dates on two schemes, the BDGP and BEEP scheme. So the BDGP1 scheme is concluding at the end of this year and I started by asking James what the remaining requirements of the BDGP scheme are. The BEEP Data Genomics Programme or the BDGP scheme was a five-year scheme that is finished at the end of this year. The final hurdle for farmers is on the 1st of October this year. On this day, farmers who are in the BDGP scheme are required to have 50% of their original reference number as genotype 4 or 5 star females. For these animals to be eligible, they have to be born after the 1st of January 2013 and before the 30th of June 2019 and have a published genomic evaluation. And James, where would farmers find out where they stand in terms of eligibility? The best way for farmers if they want to find out is through their online ICBF account where you, they use their own login details where you can get a live eligibility profile of their females in the herd. For farmers that aren't online, ICBF also sent out an eligibility report in August on the number of eligible animals in the herd. You can use this report to check to see where you stand and if you are eligible on that date, 
make sure that those eligible animals are in your herd on the 31st of October. ICBF also did an evaluation update on the 6th of October just there uh, this week. So farmers can check now for an updated version of the animals in their herd. And if farmers are not meeting their requirements now, what are their options? Well, at present, from the latest figures, there are nearly... There's 1,990 farmers that aren't meeting the requirements across the country. So it is important to meet the requirements as uh, there's an propensity associated with it. Like, if you don't meet the target on the 31st of October, there's a 140% penalty of the annual payment. If you're not meeting the requirements now, you have time to put in place in terms of purchasing eligible genotypes for five-star females. So if you're buying privately, there are a number of things to watch out for. Make sure that they are born after the 1st of January 2013 and that they are born before the 30th of June 2019. Ensure they are genotyped four or five star on the day of purchase. The other main thing is that, that the animals have a published genomic evaluation. But the best way to check if the animals that you are purchasing are eligible is to check online using the ICBS Animal Search Facility. Don't use the uh, BDGB eligibility reports uh, as that it mightn't be as up to date when you're buying. Also, if you're buying through the mark, the mark screen should, should say uh, that an animal is BDGP eligible or not. So if the screen says that it's BDGP eligible, then once the animal moves into your herd, that animal is meeting the requirements for your herd. But if it says BDGP no, then that animal isn't eligible for your herd. And I suppose, James, to continue then with the BEEP scheme, what is the structure of this scheme? This is once again for uh, suckler farmers. It's been running now up until now. The closing date is up on the 1st of November for the, the structure. But there are three sections to the BEEP scheme. The first section is the weighing of the cow and calf, which is mandatory. Section two is optional and there's two choices, which is the creep feeding of calves or the vaccinating of calves. There's also a third section, which is optional, which is the fecal egg sampling. And what do we need to know about the weighing of cows and calves and what is the rate of payment? The first task is the weighing of the cow and calf, uh, which is compulsory. The rate of payment for this is €50 for the first cow-calf pair and €40 for every cow-calf pair after that, up to 100 cow-calf pairs. Participants must weigh each unweaned calf and its dam as to must weigh to ICBF within seven days. The unweaned live calf and dam must be weighed on an applicant's holding on the same day. So the cow and calf have to be weighed on the same day. Only skills registered and in accordance with the requirements may be used for this weigh-in. The weight for this is an important day is that weight must be submitted before the 1st of November of this year. And James, even if you're not in the scheme, why would farmers weigh animals? Well, there's a number of benefits of weighing animals. With weighing animals, farmers are able to find out, let's say, the performance of young stock on the farm, particularly in the suckler herd. By inputting this data, let's say, into ICBS, uh, you're able to find out the efficiencies of your cow and calf. You're able to find out your best performing cow, so the calves that are putting on the most amount of weight. You're able to see, also find out what calves are thriving and what calves are not. And this also helps in terms of managing these animals. These weighing reports should also be taken into account when deciding what cows to cull. It also helps in spotting animals that are sick or that haven't thrived. So if we are weighing animals and they haven't gained the weight that aren't meeting targets, they could go on a different diet this winter when housing compared to those who have. Also, when selecting animals for sale, you're able to find out you have an idea when for yourself what kind of weight and what expected price that you could possibly get when selling these animals. If you are killing cattle, it's also handy when you're uh, to weigh before you um, slaughter as well, uh, as also it gives you an idea of what price you're going to get and are also able to get the um, kind of kill-out percentage that you'll be getting from your animals. And another important uh, benefit 
from weighing animals is that when you know your weight, you get a more accurate weight for when dosing your animals. So this kind of reduces the chance of antimalhytic resistance. And what does Section 2 of the BEEP-S consist of? What is the rate of payment? There are two voluntary measures with the BEEP-S scheme under Section 2. So farmers have the choice of either selecting uh, meal feeding, pre-weaning and post-weaning or the vaccination of calves. It's worth up to 30 euro per animal. And what does the farmer have to do in order if they choose to creep feed calves? There are a few points to know with regard to meal feeding option, which must, we must make ourselves aware of. So. But regardless of the BPS scheme, meal feeding of calves is something that is done in the majority of farms prior to weaning. It, and it is done to reduce the stress on calves and to ensure there's no drop in live weight gain. With the scheme, however, meal must be fed to calves four weeks before they're weaned uh, and the meal feeding must continue for two weeks after weaning has taken place. In effect, calf must receive meal for six weeks before it is sold in order to comply with the scheme. Meal feeding can be done through either a creep feeder, but if you don't have a creep feeder at all, it could be done by either if you put a trot into the field and fence off that only the cows can get into the trot. That is another option as well. As long with this, uh, you should make sure that you have you keep your meal receipts to verify that there was the suitable meal was on the farm and it was fed to the cows for at least the, for the for the six weeks. The mandatory weaning action must take place before the weaning takes place. So, therefore, if you choose the meal feeding option, cows will sold within two weeks of the weaning process. It's not possible that they they received two weeks of meal feeding before they were weaned, so they won't be eligible for this payment for the meal feeding. So if you intend on selling your whalings at the beginning of November, they must be weighed at least two weeks beforehand and received six weeks before the sale. And James, if farmers have chosen the vaccination option, what do they have to do to comply? So the other option relates to calves with the vaccination of calves. The aim of this is to promote proper vaccination programmes and to highlight the need to vaccinate well in advance of the stressful period in order for immunity to develop. So, in consultation with your vet, vaccination programmes are part of the scheme which should be completed prior to weaning, housing or sales, so for farmers who selected that option. Within this option, the farmers can go for either a one-shot programme or a two-shot programme. The single-shot programme is a single intranasal vaccine for RSV, PI3 or Anhema hemolytica, given two to four weeks for weaning housing a sale. At the same time, a single live IBR vaccine is given into the muscle. So with this, calves can't be sold for 15 days after this vaccine has been given. Farmers could also have gone with um, a two-shot program, whereby the calves are given their first vaccine uh, around six to eight weeks before uh, weaning housing a sale, and uh, a second shot then around three to four weeks later. Also, a live IBR vaccine is given into the muscle at this time. With this second option, calves can't be sold for 42 days after the administration of the first shot. And also with these, both these options, uh, the receipts for the vaccines purchased must be retained in case of inspection. And farmers should consult with their vets with regards to the best option for their system. And James, what does the final section then consist of? The final section consists of the faecal egg sampling. This is where farmers receive payment of up to €10 euro if they choose this option. The faecal egg testing uh, will be carried out to show the level of liver and rumen fluke in suckler cows in the herd. One set of 10 samples are required to meet the sampling pack. So there is a list of approved labs and veterinary practices that can be found on the department's website. So if farmers got in contact with one of these labs to order a pack of 10, that is the minimum requirement for the test. For this, for the scheme, these faecal egg faecal samples must be collected fresh, and then with that as well, they should consult their vet. With the results, then they should consult their vet on the best option from these results. 
And I suppose finally, James, when does this have to be completed by? So these samples are required to be taken and submitted back to the approved labs before the 1st of November. The labs now at the moment, they are busy at the moment with this as well. So if you haven't already rang a lab looking for the set of 10, I would do so now just in case if there's a delay in terms of getting the pots out or getting the results back as well. Maintaining the size of the national herd is absolutely critical to Irish agriculture. That's according to the Irish Farmers Association. It's after the Climate Action Minister said agriculture will have to make a very significant contribution to cut emissions and that the herd will be smaller. Eamon Ryan was speaking as the government launched its new Climate Action Bill, which aims to make Ireland carbon neutral by 2050. IFA President Tim Cullinan says he was surprised by the minister's comments. We're only saying in the community that have a roadmap with the MAC curve that Chagas have developed and there's measures in there which clearly shows that we can reduce the emissions from the national herd and farmers are, are already willing and doing that and I'm, I'm surprised that the Minister hasn't, wasn't aware of that because you know, I had discussions with the Minister on several occasions on what we are doing already. Farm Talk on C103. The IFA say that the decision by the European Commission to prolong anti-dumping measures on ammonium nitrate from Russia is a blow to European agriculture. Farm Talk's John O'Connor has more. It's being contended by the nation's largest farm organisation that a decision by the European Commission to prolong anti-dumping measures on ammonium nitrate from the Russian Federation for another five years was a further blow to European agriculture as a whole and to Irish farmers specifically, who would continue to face high-priced nitrogen fertiliser prices in a market said to be devoid of fair competition. That statement came from the IFA president, Mr Tim Cullinan. Mr Cullinan suggested it was incredible that a measure brought in first of all in the year 1995 would now be extended to 2025 in order, he claimed, to assure and protect the profitability of European Union fertiliser producers while farmers, he said, faced a further decline in income due to higher costs. He said the IFA believed that if this proposal was unchanged and the extension of the anti-dumping measure was extended and renewed, it would cost European farmers up to €3 billion in additional ammonium nitrate and canned fertiliser costs. Mr Conan said the case put forward by the Commission was full of conjecture, and referred to a possible threat of dumping on the European market, with products, quote, likely to spill over to the Union market, end of quote, but no concrete evidence was offered by the European Commission, Mr Tim Conlan claims. Mr Conlan claims that anti-dumping duties are an additional cost charged to companies trying to export products into the European Union, where it's decided by the European Commission that the price is below cost and dumping is taking place. That's on top of a customs duty of 6.5% and transport costs from the Russian Federation. Ammonium nitrate AN from Russia is charged an additional €32.71 a tonne and as a result, the IFA point out, this product is not competitive on the European Union market. It does not enter the market in significant quantities. And, Mr Conan says, European manufacturers have a closed and protected market to themselves. That statement from the IFA president, Mr Tim Conlan. 
John O'Connor for Farm Talk. We continue this week's Farm Talk with Dairy Gold's new agri-graduate, Roisin O'Donnell. We began our topic on silage testing last week and Roisin takes it up on the importance of having good silage. She has been speaking to Barry O'Mahony. Grass silage accounts for 20-25% to 25% of the total annual feed per cow on dairy farms and it's nearly up to 30% on beef farms depending on their production system. I say good grass silage is very important in the beef cattle diet dry cow diet for weight gain and skeletal growth in young stock. If you look at the diet of dairy cows or beef animals throughout the year, their diet is all measured and tested. All concentrates that are coming from mills around the country is tested and all and the dry matter grass is also available to us. And this allows us to calibrate their diet and track their performance throughout the year. With this dry period, it's very important to know the value of your feed. If we look in the coming weeks, silage will gradually start to begin to be added into cows' diets. So in terms of production, we need to get a silage of 72% DMD plus into the diet to maintain good production levels. Poor silage is going to have a negative effect on milk production. And at this time of the year, it's very hard to reverse the drop if cows start to drop at this time of the year. It's literally impossible. So to get good quality silage into milking cows in late lactation is crucial. If you look then at the dry period for cows, silage makes up the majority of their diet. At this stage, it is important to know what quality feed you're dealing with, as there is a place in the diet for both poor silage and good quality silage. The beauty of knowing what kind of value of silage you're dealing with is that when you body condition your scores, body condition score your cows, you can divide them into groups, and then you'll know exactly, well, look, the thin cows now need to be getting the best of the silage, and the heavier cows, they can get the poor quality size and they'll still be okay. Look, ideally we want cows calving down around a bad condition score of 3 to 3.5 because anything above this can lead to mid fever and hard calvings. And anything below this research has showed us that for every one body condition score that below the target will result in a loss of 450 litres of milk during lactation. And that's money that we're just throwing away from not having our eye on the ball. Look, silage will become part of the, these animals' diets now over the winter, and in order to ensure that feed meets their requirements, it is essential to get your t- silage tested. Look, it's very simple. If we don't test, we don't know. And is there anything, Roisin, from last year that would push maybe a little bit more this year to have the silage tested? Yeah, look, very last year across the country, overall, there was an increased issue with milk fever in the spring of the year. Uh, milk fever is a result of reduced calcium levels in the blood. This is common, very common on the points of calving or just a few days after calving when their demand for calcium in milk production exceeds what the cow's body can immobilise from our calcium reserves. Milk fever can be both clinical and subclinical and it is the most important macro uh, mineral disorder that affects uh, transition dairy cows. So milk fever affects muscle and immune function and it can be caused by a number of can cause another number of other problems with, say, if a cow gets milk fever. So it can have cause difficult calving, three times more likely then to retain the cleanings after calving, and eight times more likely to reduce to um, she's eight times more likely to get ketosis and reduce milk production. As I mentioned, milk fever can be both clinical and subclinical. The clinical cases is only what we can see, and it's only the tip of the iceberg. Barry, for every one case of milk of clinical milk fever, you can be guaranteed there's four to six cases of subclinical that you'll never see. 
Milk fever can be prevented by addressing the body condition score issues early in the dry period. But the main area where we can help prevent milk fever is by looking at the interaction levels between magnesium and potassium in silage. If we look at magnesium and vitamin D, they are responsible for the hormonal change that is needed to switch from storing calcium to drawing of calcium. This allows calcium to be drawn from the bone and makes it more available for milk letdown muscle function and in turn preventing milk fever. Potassium then has the opposite is the opposite to magnesium as high levels of greater than one point five percent potassium inside can lead to an increased case uh, cases of milk fever and high potassium levels limit the absorption of magnesium which slows down the hormonal switching as I talked about previous and therefore it increases milk fever. Ideally, when we're looking at silage, the ideal ratio between potassium and magnesium is around 10 to 1. And then when the ratio goes to 20 to 1, it's a real red light and we don't like to see it because there's going to be issues then. But look, the only way a farmer is able to work out this ratio is if they get their silage tested. And finally, then, Rushing, what action can they or should they be taking when they get their tests back? Yeah, look, when a farmer gets their silage tested, they'll be able to get in contact with their area sales manager or myself here, and we can look and work out the ratio levels for them. And then there's various options. When we have this ratio, we can match their results to a specific tricow mineral and best advise on what levels of minerals they need to be feeding along then with maybe the additional straw just to dilute the potassium levels. Look, the MSI testing overall is to ensure that over the dry period, all nutrition requirements of the herd are met, including mineral levels, and with this, it will help prevent metabolic issues in the spring of the year. Look, Barry, in the spring there isn't time to think, never mind. We're trying to deal with issues that we could have prevented um, if we had just tuned ourselves in a small bit more. So for me, if I can get my silage tested and feed the correct minerals, it gives me confidence going into the spring then that I've done everything I can to prevent these issues. I'd advise anyone to get their silage tested regardless if you had an issue with milk fever last year. For a simple reason, maybe there is another ongoing issue on the farm, but you just can't pin it down to anything. And maybe it might be to do with a lacking of some mineral or something like that. There is a series of different tests available here with ourselves, and it might just flag something, you know, one of these ongoing issues that you can't, you can't put your finger on. So look, overall, there, it can help hurt health, and there's a serious advantage of getting your silage tested. So on a finishing note, like, if we don't test, we don't know, and we can't do anything about it, Barry. Last year, Mochran Affirma membership exceeded 10,000 for the first time in decades. The organisation's annual report for 2019 shows that Mochra enjoyed a great year as it celebrated its 75th anniversary. Mochra tripled its surplus from €115,649 to €345,760 as its income increased by 33% from €2.02 million to €2.68 million. Membership reached 10,200 last year as a result of 10 new clubs and six revived clubs. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. Thank you to Katie O'Keefe, Barry O'Mahony and Fiona Corcoran for contributing to the programme. I'm Mairead Tuig. Thanks for listening. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.